0: verses um, chapter 32 verses 1 through 11 and 33 verses 1 through 10. Jacob sends presents to appease Esau. Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him and when Jacob saw them he said this is God's camp so he called that place Menaheim. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir the country of Edom instructing them "'Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, "'Thus says your servant Jacob, "'I have lived with Laban as an alien and stayed until now, "'and I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves, "'and I have sent to tell my lord "'in order that I may find favor in your sight.' "'The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, "'We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, "'and four hundred men are with him.' "'Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed.' And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies, thinking, If Esau comes to the one company and destroys it, then the company that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant, For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. Jacob sends presents to appease Esau. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please. If I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: God. I have a problem this morning. Uh, This sermon really is for families that have difficulties. And I know there's no family like that in this church. That all of our children are obedient and all of the time. That spouses never speak unkindly to each other. And certainly not with a ferocious heart. That... We all dwell in peace and light and love and unity. Right, Sherry? Yeah? I didn't see you nod the other way. This sermon's for everyone. We've all been there, done that. Maybe doing it even as I speak. So let us pray to hear what the Lord would say. Grant us wisdom to hear and to act on your wisdom, O Lord. Amen. This is a quote. I always felt like the black sheep in my family. My brother lived up to what my dad wanted. I never did. He graduated from Yale, played ball, related to people with the greatest of charm and ease. I had none of those social skills. I never felt I measured up nor found the approval of my father. Those words were written by Tom Watson, Jr., Do you know who he was? Well, for many years, he was the CEO of IBM. But in his mind, he never measured up. Roberta Bondi is a professor at Emory. She has written a book called Healing the Wounds of the Heart in which she writes about the rejection she felt when her father divorced her mother. I remember deciding then that if my father did not want the child I was, then neither did I. As an adult, I continued to accept the 12-year-old interpretation of divorce, as well as the scorn and hatred of myself for years and years. These kinds of family dynamics have been around since the beginning of families. In this case, dad favored Esau, the Green Beret woodsman the captain of the football team, the king of the prom, the guy who drove a four-wheel pickup and knew how to fix it himself. Mom favored Jacob, the captain of the chess club, the skinny kid always picked last for any team, who went to the prom alone and who went into the woods only for a quiet place to read poetry. Jacob gets Esau to trade the family's birthright for a bowl of stew. Jacob and his mother tricked the father into blessing Jacob. Decisions were made that would affect the brothers for most of the rest of their lives. And the last thing we hear is Esau threatening to kill Jacob if he ever sees him again. Decades later, God tells Jacob, go home, I'll make it good. On his way, he dreams of a ladder with angels descending and ascending from heaven to earth. On his way home, Jacob wrestles all night with an angel. The angel hurts Jacob's hip. And now the day arrives. For the first time in his life, Jacob seems to be facing the consequences of his actions. But Jacob still can't completely free himself from his old ways. He sends servants to Esau with a tremendous gift. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. It was a huge wealth. It's like picking up Peggy in the farm and giving her a whole nother one. It was a huge bribe. It was... Jacob's not-so-subtle way of saying, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Like people who bring their guilt and sin to the very throne of God where it belongs, but still think they have to help God. God, I know this reunion is your plan, but just in case I've sent Esau a small gift to help. Oh, I know this is your plan, God, but just in case I've sent my my family and servants to the other side of the Jabbok because it's harder for Esau to attack them. Jacob is hardly alone in those actions. So many Christians are better at picking up their sins and lugging them around than we are at dropping them at Jesus' feet and leaving them there. We trust you, God, but just in case. But now Jacob stands alone, on the same side of the water as his brother Esau. Now imagine that moment when he looks up and he sees Esau riding furiously straight at him. And surrounding him are 400 of Esau's men riding furiously at his side, Pounding the earth, also aiming straight at Jacob. An angel has injured Jacob's hip. He can't run. There is no place to hide. And 401 green beret prom kings and with chiselled abs are aiming right at their target. But Esau jumps off his mount and runs to his brother. He covers Jacob's face in kisses. He tells Jacob to keep his gifts. He just wants his brother back. He is eager to meet Jacob's family. Esau invites him to his home many times. He invites him to his home where there had been rage and anger and humiliation. Now there was forgiveness. Jacob had cheated Esau out of his birthright. But instead of killing Jacob, he now opened his heart and hands to him. He did not let those moments from the past define who he would become. Who he would be. He found a way past and made it to a much brighter future. What a beautiful Reunion. If you just read up to this point, you think that is one of the best reunion stories in Scripture, like the prodigal son coming home. Well, at least it could have been the best reunion. But while Esau is calling Jacob brother throughout the the story, brother this, brother that, brother this, Jacob only refers to Esau as my Lord. Even though Esau invited him for a meal many times, they never eat together, which is a huge message in that culture even to today. And Jacob goes so far as to tell Esau to return home I'll follow you in a little while but he never does In fact in fact they don't meet again until after their father dies and then only to bury him two brothers One living beyond the past, offering the other a chance to live the forgiven life. The other groveling like the prodigal son, being offered a whole new life, a renewed and restored life, but who just can't or won't receive it his sin still defines who he is. Maybe he feels unworthy. Maybe he feels too guilty. Maybe he thinks such forgiveness must be earned that it can't possibly be true that God would forgive even his large sins without expecting So much in return. Is there a sin in your past that just won't let you go? That harms you to this day? That grieves you? A sin that keeps you from living the forgiven life? God says, I love you. How about letting God define who you are? God says, you are my well-loved child. I adore you. Let God define who you are. You are forgiven. No, you're not perfect. But if I can only use perfect people... There would be no one in my service. Let God define who you are. I know how big your sin is. I know my mercy and grace are bigger. Let God define who you are. But I'm not good enough. I'm too sinful. I'm too selfish. You'll never be good enough, but I am. Let me define who you are. One brother burdened by sin, the other brother lightened by forgiveness. Open yourself to living the forgiven life. Let God define who You are. Amen.